So here we are. It's been a couple of weeks since I had an episode and uh, a lot has changed in my life. A lot has changed in everyone's life with everything that's going on with the Ukraine. So I wanted to just catch up with this episode, catch up with what I've been experiencing with my stepson's cancer. But I think there's always a positive message in all of this, and I'm going to stay in that positive place. I always say it's good to visit the painful places and the emotional places, but it's important to live in the positive. So that's what we're going to talk about today. All of that, plus, of course, a little bit more fun stuff, the craziness that went down with Celebrity Big Brother's season finale. So let's get into it. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk, stories and observations beyond small talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins. <sighs> wow. So much has changed since our last episode here. Um, and I say our because I feel like, you know, this is a we, this is a you, this is an I. So many people say, I feel like you're like in my ear or, you know, you're with me. So I feel like you guys are with me too. But uh, I didn't do an episode last week, and the week before that, I did an episode, but I think it was at the end of the week or Saturday. I don't know. I've lost track of time. But things have changed in my life. Things have changed in the world with everything that's going on in the Ukraine. And <clears throat> I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about on this particular episode. And at first I was like, eh, I'm going to not get into any of the stuff that's going on with my stepson and his cancer. But then I was reminded that part of what this show is for me is it's a catharsis in a way. It's um, I talk about things that are on my mind or things that I'm thinking about, things that I'm passionate about. I mean, if you guys have been listening for more than just today's show, you know that I get fired up about many things. And I talk about stuff that's either happening to me, so the show is very semi-autobiographical or things that have happened to me in the past, or um, observations. You know, my, my show, I didn't even say it, I'm out of sorts, my show's tagline, Stories and Observations Beyond Small Talk. Because I listen to podcasts and I find that there are so many out there that are light and fluffy. And that's great if you're looking for light and fluffy. I don't like that. I mean, if I want light and fluffy, I know where to go, right? Find those podcasts where people do the yuck, yuck interviews. Like, so what's the craziest thing that George Clooney did on set? <laughs> well, he's a prankster. Like, I've heard that interview a thousand and one times, probably more than that on TV, podcasts, radio, whatever. And so for me, this show has always been about going below the surface, you know, talking about popular culture and issues and, and life but stuff that we all deal with, or we know someone who's dealing with, or we think about, or we consider. So race, religion, politics, um, mental health, all sorts of stuff. And so instead of steering away from the tough stuff, 
I think it's important to, as I always say in my cold open, get into it. And that's what I think I want to do today is really talk about where I am with everything that's been happening in my life. And then I also want to talk about the Ukraine because I think there's a lot to be learned there, even though we're here, most likely safe in the United States. And some people are like, what do I care about that? Some country and other side of the world? I don't know. But I think there's a lot, I guess, a lot to discuss and a lot about how that is affecting or could or will affect our lives. So that plus um, something more, well, I I was going to say it's light, but it really wasn't light. I want to talk about the finale of Celebrity Big Brother. And even if you don't watch this show and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not interested in reality shows, but I think most people who listen to this show, if you're listening to me, you probably have some affinity towards reality shows or you don't mind them. But even if you don't watch this one, I think there's, it was just a crazy thing that went down. And um, in some ways it's kind of sad, but it says a lot about who we are in our society now versus how Big Brother was five, 10, 20 years ago, but even just how Big Brother was just a few years ago. So lots to get into today. Um, Yeah. So I guess we'll start with the big stuff. Just as a recap, for those of you who some, maybe you missed my last episode, or if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you for tuning in. I don't know how you found me, but I'm glad that you did. And I hope you will click subscribe wherever you're listening and um, click five stars. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a written review, especially if you enjoy the show. If you don't enjoy the show, we'll keep listening until you do. (laughs) Um, But... I, I talked about in my last episode, which is called Hello Cancer, that my 18-year-old stepson was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, and that is bone cancer. And uh, I mean, if you want to talk about complete, like, shock, a shock wave going through our entire family. It's like a bomb went off because it's such a complete and utter, I guess, completely and utterly unexpected thing to happen. I mean, who thinks that their 18 year old son is going to be diagnosed with cancer? Nobody. We all know that cancer happens. But with young people, I ignorantly, naively, foolishly always thought that cancer happened to older people, like even in their 20s, but mostly, you know, 30s and beyond. Or it was kids that are born with like leukemia or like little kids, six-year-olds, a five-year-old. I just never thought about the in-between. And to get that call and I obviously being the step parent get everything kind of 
third hand. Someone has to call. Someone has to call. Someone, my husband has to call me to get the call that your stepson has a tumor in his leg is devastating. And, you know, I talked in the last episode about being positive and noticing the gifts. And that is really saying it made it helpful. And saying it made me more aware and pay attention to the positives. And it was, I feel, a good attitude to have about cancer. But even looking back into the two weeks ago, or even three weeks, or just shy of a month that we found out, I was in shock. You know, when I recorded that episode, I definitely was still in shock. And I'm still there. I mean, I don't know when the shock ends, but it's like I say to myself, is this really real? Like talking to doctors and traveling because the the hospital is two hours from our home and seeing the pictures of him just like it doesn't seem real. And so as much as being positive is important, The thing I know about grief, and grief is usually a term that people use when they talk about when someone has died, passed away, what have you. But grief is also attached to loss. And when you have someone diagnosed with cancer, you go through a great loss, a loss of sort of the sense of comfort in your life. I mean, I'm like anyone else. I have all sorts of things going on in my life that I wish weren't going on or things that are difficult or depressing or anxiety building, things that are happy, things that are fun, silly, things that I'm excited about, things to look forward to, the whole gamut, right? But when cancer knocks on your door, it literally flips your world upside down, at least for me. And I'm only speaking for myself. Other people may feel differently, even in my own family. But it, it feels like you're living your life one way and then instantly everything is different in the worst way. And so I, I felt like I was like, okay, I'm dealing with this. He's my stepson, so I'm sort of once removed. I'm here to support my husband and my other stepkids and, you know, be a resource and do all that I can, however I can. And I went to a cancer resource center to find out, okay, what resources do you have? What does this center do? You know, how do we fit in? Because I just, you feel like you want to help. At least me, I felt like, sorry, I just got to adjust myself in the chair here. I'm sliding down. I felt like I, I, there's not enough that I can do because he's got a mom. He's got a dad. He's got all, this whole world sort of surrounding him, my stepson. And again, I'm secondary, not even secondary. I'm tertiary. And if that even, because he's got another step parent in his life who's known him longer than I have. So I felt like I needed to do something. I go to the Cancer Resource Center, and it's a person that we know in our lives, and I've known her for several years. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm filling out the form. Like, you know, it's like an intake form. Like, what kinds of cancer does he have? Um, How old is he? Blah, 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 all that. Who is your family? Name, address, blah, blah, blah. And 
as they were talking to me, I just felt like that, like, thing you feel when you're going to cry, like, welling up in me. And I was sort of surprised by it. I was like, what is this? You know, I'm like, I'm fine. I've been fine. Like, I've been upset. I've been angry. I've been scared. I've been all these things, but I've been okay. I'm here to support my husband and be strong for him and support my stepson and be strong for him and my other stepkids and make sure I'm, you know, sane to take care of my daughter and just keep this family running to the best of my ability and talking to grandparents and all these things. Like, I'm just like this machine because I'm like, you know, I am one step removed. I can be okay because he's my stepson. He's not my birth child. But then it just started to well up. And then I'm like, well, I I don't want to be like crying here. And, And my voice wasn't cracking or anything in my eyes. Like that whole day, I had just felt out of sorts. I just felt very lost and confused. And like, what am I supposed to be doing today? I'm like, I should be doing some laundry. I'm like, I don't feel like it. I should be doing this. I don't want to. So I was doing the bare minimum, spending most of my time just playing with my daughter, feeding her, changing her, taking her, taking care of her, all of that. And so when I'm sitting at the Cancer Resource Center and I get finished with everything I'm supposed to do, and they hand over some gas cards because, like I mentioned, driving two hours away with gas how it is now and it's about to go up with everything going on in Ukraine, it's expensive. I think it's about, I think it's um, like 270 miles round trip. That's a lot. And so she's giving me these gas cards and I'm starting to feel guilty and like... I feel pity for me, like coming my direction, and I can't stand pity. I, I appreciate when people feel empathetic and supportive, but pity I want no part of. And I've always been clear about that. I'm like, to my husband, someday when I'm old and sick or whatever, if I'm in the hospital, do not pity me. You can feel sorry for me, like, hey, that really sucks, but not like, You know, there's like a distinction between empathy and pity. And I I don't even know if I know how to articulate it. It's like empathy is like, you know, that's too bad. What's going on for you? I'm so sorry. But then pity is like, that's too bad. What's going on for you? I'm so sorry. Wow, you must feel like crap. Look at your life. Thank God that's not me. Look at you. Go. I don't know. I don't even know. Like I said, I don't know how to articulate it, but I just don't like pity. And I felt this pity coming back at me. And they're like, here are your gas cards. And then we started talking about the Ronald McDonald house, which is something I'd heard about my whole life, but never thought I'd have anything to do with. Just never even considered it. I'd be at, you know, in the line at McDonald's and I would toss a couple of pieces of my change in the Ronald McDonald house box. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I have this change and I want to do my part. But it was mindless. And I knew that they were a, a resource for people with cancer or families. I didn't know even specifically what they were. I'm like, the name is so silly. But We started talking about how we qualify because of the distance that we drive. And I later did find out that the Ronald McDonald House is kind of like little dorms and a cafeteria. So you can just have a place to be and stay overnight because, you know, if you're staying in hotels and all the food that you're paying for, like if you're buying from fast foods and restaurants, all that stuff with the gas adds up. 
So you have a place to stay at the Ronald McDonald House. You have food to eat and someone to ask questions to for resources. So it's a great organization. I have not been in there yet, but my um, husband and parts of the other family have been. I actually know my husband has not been. Other parts of the family have been. So <clears throat> again, I'm sitting there and they're giving me stuff. And I'm like, I felt like a charity case. And I've never been a charity case. I mean, even that term, charity case, that's like a negative, it has a negative connotation. So maybe I shouldn't even say it that way. I felt like someone that people were donating to. And I've spent my life donating to people, raising money. I mean, my business, part of my business is events, and I would raise money and donate money for scholarship and grants to young people and organizations that have anything to do with agriculture because I live in an agricultural valley. So I'm always the one in my life donating money, donating time, working and volunteering. That's been like who I am at my core. And now all of a sudden I'm on the other side. I don't like it. It made me uncomfortable. I'm like, why, why are they giving us stuff? We're not poor. But they're like, nope, you need to take these things because it adds up. And she's right. All of a sudden we have extra $200, $400, $600 in bills just in gas and food. That doesn't even include however much we're going to be paying. Thank God I've said, knock on wood, I'll knock quietly because my dog will start barking at the door thinking someone's here. But thank God we have great insurance and the additional insurance like Aflac. Remember that? The commercials, Aflac, the duck that kind of fits the gaps. I don't know specifically what they do, but they help cover co-pays and all kinds of things. I highly recommend you get this. I am not in any way involved with the organization. There are different companies that do the same thing, but it saved us because they cover so much. So getting handed things, getting given things made me feel like I was the one who now needed help, that I was the person who needed charity. And I didn't like it. We needed those things. <clears throat> they are helpful, but I didn't like it. And so that, that tearful, that like angst thing started to like rumble. And I, I was almost like, what is going on? Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And so we completed that and just hearing about how all these people are working behind the scenes to really support us people with this church organization that I don't go to the church, but I know some of the people they're like on a mission to support our family. And you're just like, wow, like all these people say they're praying and I appreciate that. But because I'm not the most religious person, I'm like, does that mean Prayers are a popularity contest. If you are only loved by three people and only three people pray, you don't get as much like good stuff happening in your life as opposed to if hundreds of people pray for you because you keep asking for prayers and then they have, they have prayer warriors, you know, oh, we're going to talk at my Bible study and pray. And I'm just like, okay, it can't hurt. So I guess keep praying. But it's foreign to me because... It just feels like, like I said, like a popularity contest, like because my stepson is very loved and, and a lot of people in his family and a big like 
extended family and we live in a small community, so everyone's more attached. Does that mean he's going to get more prayers and he's going to be healed versus someone who doesn't know as many people or maybe isn't as well liked? That's a whole nother, another conversation, I'm sure. But that's what they said. They were going to pray for us. And then, you know, I thanked them for the gas cards and they told me they would get some more and do some other things for us. They gave me a blanket that had been prayed over by several people in the church and some of the people that volunteer. And that was for my stepson. And it was just in this really nice bag. And it was this beautiful quilt and it was masculine. So, you know, I didn't have to worry about him being like, what are you doing? Give me this like pink blanket or whatever. And it was just so thoughtful. And I walked out feeling like, this is so nice, and they're so caring, but now I feel needy. And Jody doesn't like to feel needy. And so I put the baby in the uh, you know car seat harness thingy, the whatever, the thing in the car seat, the, 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 the base, and then I put the blanket in the, tr in the trunk, and I got in the car, and I just burst into tears. I just like just started to sob. And this was the first time since finding out that I had done that. And it just, it was like this well that just came up from the core of my being and just, uh, I like everything that I had felt for the last three weeks and this moment of feeling pity, just, ugh, I just sort of vomited it all out in tears and sobbing. And I just, I expected to just stop and like pull myself together and, and drive back home. And I was really, I'm only five minutes from home at this moment. And I just kept crying and I, I kind of lean back and look and see how my daughter's doing. She's like cooing and playing with her toys, has no idea her mommy's losing it. I have the radio on so that maybe she does. I mean, she could hear it, but she's totally happy and totally fine. And I'm just crying. And Within a few minutes, my husband calls and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what I said. And he's like, what's wrong with the baby? You know, he assumed that, sorry, that was a little loud into the microphone. He assumed that something must have happened to the baby, which is why I'm sobbing. But I'm like, she's fine, you know, and he's like, I can't understand you. And, and so I like calm myself down and I explain why I was crying. And he's like, that's okay. You got to let it out. And I feel guilty because it's his son. You know, I wanted to be strong. I wanted to keep it together. But the thing I'm learning, as much as I wish it weren't true, is that it happens. Cancer doesn't just happen to the person who has it. Of course, the physical, the pain, the fear of loss of life specifically, that is the person. But it happens to all of us in the family. We are all scared of losing him. We are all scared of what this means to our lives. Everything is sort of up in the air, like, are we going here? Are we going to do this? We don't know because we have to go to chemo and blah, 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 blah. And just everything is sort of suspended. And yes, it's happening to me too. And so I was feeling guilty about it, and I still do, to be honest. But I just had to let all of that out. And so I sat there and cried for some more. And uh, then I think my mom called and she, she couldn't understand me. I was like, I'll call you back. Everything's fine. I'm just really sad. She's like, okay. And so I kind of pulled it together because my husband's like, I'm coming to get you. Do you want me to, I'm coming to the parking lot or are you coming home? I'm like, I can pull myself together. 
And then I called a friend. I drove home. Again, it was five minutes away. And uh, I drove home and I called a friend and she's a new friend. And I, I, I want to share with you guys my experience of talking to this friend and how different different friends respond and how helpful some people are and how well-intentioned others are, but are not helpful. So I want to take a break first. And when we come back, I will share what happened the rest of that afternoon and uh, what happened with this friend because it's, I'm forever changed. I mean, cancer has forever changed me, but this phone call changed me as well. So stay with me. It's Jody again, and I have some really exciting news for my loyal list of loyal listeners. Now there's more ways to listen to Big Time Small Talk. How? Well, I'm starting my own paid premium subscription episodes. That's right. You can click the link in the show notes, sign up, and for a mere $15 a month, you will get extra episodes geared towards the loyal listener. So what does that mean? Well, these are going to be a more personal experience, a more interactive experience. Oftentimes I get you guys writing me saying you have questions or you want to know more. Well, this will be a safe space for me to share more only on the paid premium subscription episodes. So click the link in the show notes, sign up, and again, $15 a month, and that's it. And then whenever the episodes are ready and available, I'll post on my social media. You can check the hub where they're listed, or I'll let you know during the main show. So I hope you'll sign up. I've got a lot to share, and I know you want to listen. So paid subscription episodes, premium, more interactive experience starting today. Welcome back. Okay, so you guys just heard the promo for my new paid uh, paid premium, it's a mouthful, paid premium subscription episodes. And I'm really excited about that. I was actually um, <clears throat> talking to my husband about it and he's, I always bounce everything off of him, you know, ideas and concepts and whatever I'm doing professionally. And he's like, well, okay, what will be different? If I'm a listener of yours, why would I want to listen? Why would I want to reach into my pocket and pull out $15 a month to listen? And I said, that's a good question. And um, it's a more interactive show because, and it's a more, I guess it's a more personal show. The thing about doing podcasts or anything in the public <clears throat> pardon me, is that you have to deal with trolls and people who are just listening to be nosy or just curious. And that's fine. I'm happy to have any listener, but it can be a little disconcerting. So there are certain things that I don't say, I don't bring up, I don't discuss because I need to protect my own sanity. And just because trolls don't deserve any more information about my life than I choose to give them. But if I'm doing a paid subscription episode, it can be more personal 
because trolls don't pay for things that they don't like. Trolls don't pay for things that they think they just want to be nosy about. And so I can kind of let my guard down and it becomes a more open, a more raw, and then a more interactive experience because I want to hear from you guys. And I regularly hear from my loyal listeners anyway, and this would be a way for us to really have a more intimate experience. Does that make sense? That's what I'm trying to do. So I'm going to share more. We're going to talk about things in a, I guess, I mean, just in a more open way. And this show already is about, it's, it's very semi-autobiographical. I talk about things that are uncomfortable. I try to make them you know, a, a comfortable way. I try to make it so that it's, I take the uncomfortable and make it comfortable as much as possible. But on the premium episodes, we're really just going to let our hair down. And um, yeah, it's just going to be more a more intimate experience. So I hope you will give it a shot. Give it a chance. See what you think. Let me know. And again, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes that says become a premium subscriber. And again, it's 15 bucks a month. Like how much is, how much do you spend on coffee? I mean, gas is expensive. Life is expensive. And if you can't afford it, hey, I understand. But should you choose to, I just want to say thank you in advance. This is a new phase for me with my podcast and I'm happy to be moving forward. It's growing and growing and growing and you know, pretty soon I'm going to have ads on the show, which Anchor has informed me. I am, I am officially on the wait list for that. And that way I can hopefully make an income off of this show because right now it's something I work really hard at, but I do not get paid for other than I have one subscriber, <laughs> one subscriber, which is my mom. And then I have a, I did have a handful of subscribers that were paying um, the monthly fees, but once you do, like, um, once you switch over to paid subscribers, you have to cancel all of those. So I had a little handful of people who were paying for the show. Thank you so much. And you know who you were. And my mom, my main one loyal subscriber. And um, now I've canceled all of those and we're starting over in a different way. So that's how Anchor does it. Once you switch over to premium subscriptions, you can no longer do the old way. Do you guys remember I used to talk about that? You can pay 99 cents or 4.99 or 9.99 a month. That option is no longer. And uh, yeah, so the premium the premium episodes will remain ad free forever and ever and ever. And you can distinguish the two because there's a little lock that appears on the artwork of each episode, and that way you know that everybody else is locked out. And you will be one of the only few that can listen if you are signed up to be a premium subscriber. So I hope you'll do that. I've got lots to talk about, lots to share, and we'll see how that goes. Okay, <clears throat> back to the subject at hand. When I left before the break, I was just talking about ugh, just how I felt and how I, I was crying and I'm sitting in the parking lot. So I decided to drive home and when I pulled into my driveway, I called a friend of mine and she's a pretty new friend and I just cried and talked to her and the first thing she said was, let me pull over, like she was driving somewhere with her boyfriend and that phrase just made me feel cared for because it's so easy for people to say, oh my gosh, we're driving, can I call you back later or I'll text you when I get home and, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
but I felt loved and cared for and cared about because she was willing to pull over. I don't know where she was going. I don't know where she was coming from, but she did that and she listened and she lifted up my spirit, you know? I mean, I, I had been holding it all in since we'd even gotten the news in the first place. And I, not on purpose, I just thought, well, I can handle this and I'm going to be strong for my husband and for my stepkids and especially, you know, my stepson with cancer. I'm going to be strong and I'm going to make sure I can handle things and do whatever I need to do and take things off of people's plates so that they can just focus on him. And I'm going to, going to, going to, going to, going to. And then the minute I sat in that cancer resource center place, it just all hit me that this is so fucking real. And it sucks. And so I just was crying and having a friend to support you when you're having a meltdown. And I don't even want to call it a meltdown. You know, a meltdown has a negative connotation. It wasn't a meltdown. Sure, some could call it a meltdown. Some could say like, Jody, just, I mean, I had a friend say to me, Jody, be strong for your husband. Just hide those emotions. No. You can't do that. It's not healthy. It's not healthy for him or for anyone else if I'm holding it all in. Because the truth, but the truth is, I just needed to let it out. I just needed to take a beat and not feel like I had to be strong and just feel my feelings and the fear and the worry and all of those things and let them out. Holding them in was not helping. And having this friend listen and support me and offer her advice on medical stuff and she had just the just right balance. You know, I've have I have a couple other friends that are like, here's what you need to do, and blah 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 blah, and, blah, 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 blah. and they talk, and, blah, and make sure you do that, and make sure you do this, and I knew somebody with cancer, and, blah, 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 blah. and it's overwhelming. Dealing with someone with cancer is overwhelming, and then have people shove advice at you, which maybe somebody else wants that. I don't think so. What most people want is to be able to talk without judgment. I need people to stop saying to me, don't forget to think positive. Like sometimes I'm going to be negative. And when you say think positive, it's like a judgment. And it's like, you are not doing the right thing with regard to this. Yes, people need to think positively, but sometimes you're in the, the dark, dank bowels of the sadness. And the, you just need people to listen. Don't tell them about you knew somebody who took blah, blah, blah medication and it cured their cancer. Don't tell them to go read a book about how if all you eat is popcorn, it cures cancer. Don't tell them if they're not the most religious person to, to really get down on their knees and start praying. It just isn't my thing. I do pray, but I don't need religious advice. You just need someone to listen and support you and say, this sucks, God's got you, or the universe has got you, I've got you, I'm here for you, can I come over, bring some chicken soup, can I give you a hug, whatever. If people say to me, Jody, can I just come over and give you a hug, that means more to me than 
We're just going to continue to pray for you. Praying for my stepson, awesome. But just praying for me, but not being here and not supporting me, I still appreciate it. But coming over to give me a hug is, the, is, is my love language of support. And I guess it depends on person to person. But for me, just having people that I care about around, that's what makes it better. And so <clears throat> after I hung up with this friend of mine and I just, I felt such an appreciation. And that was one of those gifts I talked about in the last episode. It's a gift to have this friend who coincidentally lives in San Diego. So I don't usually get to see her, but because we're going to be out there with my stepson's chemo regularly for the next 11 weeks, I'm going to have the chance to spend more time with her because she's like, come over in between sessions because I can't go in. They limit who can go in. She's like, whatever you need, you know, if your husband is out there and he needs a place to like put some stuff down or hang out, whatever, like she's so kind. And that is a gift because not all friends are like that. And so I was very aware that I'm like, you know, maybe God put this person in my life just in time just in time. And that's a beautiful thing. And so I'm aware of paying, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention to and aware of all the beautiful moments with this horrible, shitty news. So I go inside and I talk to my husband some more and I cry some more. And then I, I try to pull it together. And my stepsons come over with stepsons, stepkids come over again. For those of you who are new listeners, I have five stepkids. One of them lives in Alaska. Um, Three of them live here, sort of, and uh, the other one was going to college, and he's the one who's back. I say sort of because he's the one that was going to college, was going to college out of state, and that's the one that has cancer. So all of my stepkids are here except for one. And they come over, and my stepdaughter comes up, and I'm trying to, like, just be okay. I wasn't trying to fake smile. I was just trying to be okay. She's like, how are you doing? And then I just lost it again. <laughs> and I start sobbing and she's hugging me. And then my youngest stepson comes over to hug me. And he's the one I've known the most. I've never cried in front of them. So I, I mean, I was like ugly crying and, you know, and then it's just like, you feel bad because I don't want to make other people feel bad. And then I was just like, I'm just going to go in the other room. I don't want to embarrass myself. My husband's like, you're not embarrassing yourself. Um, I'm like, I just want to take some time sitting here. And I was just in the, my bedroom and he's like, do you want me to be in here with you? And I'm like, no, go out and be with the kids and, you know, finish cooking dinner. And I was in there for maybe two minutes and I hear a little, a little quiet knock on the door, like a little, you know, and I'm like, come in. And it's my stepdaughter and she's 21. And I've talked about her before, like our relationship, we get along well, but it's hard. It's hard to come into a young woman's life who's very close to her father. And it's hard to have any kind of stepmom, stepdaughter relationship, no matter who you are. So we've struggled. Um, we've never had any like knockdown drag outs, but there's times when it's uncomfortable for her, I'm sure. And I know there's times that it's uncomfortable for me, but I, I know that we love each other, we say it, we get along well, but it is a difficult relationship and it takes work. And um, so she came in and I just was like, I'm, in my mind, I thought I'm done. I don't wanna pretend that I'm okay because I'm not okay and I was just crying and she just put her arm around me and we just talked and she made me feel so much better. And uh, 
it, it just, again, it was another gift where I'm like, this is a dark moment in a way, but it's also a light moment, a beautiful moment. Because I knew that she loved me. I knew that she cared that I was in pain. It would have been very easy for her to just stay outside because my other stepson had arrived with his wife and everybody's kind of laughing and, and, you know, getting ready for dinner and cooking together and joking around and whatever. And we're all just trying to be happy as much as we possibly can because there are moments when you're happy during cancer and that's the way it should be. No one should be unhappy all the time because the person with cancer wouldn't want that for you. So she could have just stayed out there and be like, oh, Jody probably wants to be left alone. And she didn't do that. And we sat in there for maybe 20 minutes. I'm not even sure because we were just in the dark. And she just made me, she made me feel loved, cared about. I felt compassion from her, not pity, but empathy. And we just commiserated about how crappy this whole thing is. This is her little brother. They are very close. Sometimes I jokingly say, like, you guys are like twins. Like, they are really, really close. And so it's hard for her. And it was just a really special moment. And I appreciate her and that moment, as crappy as all of this is. And she made me feel like I could breathe, pull myself together, and go out and just enjoy dinner. And of course, I go out there and I see my other stepson and I start crying again. And they're kind of like, what's wrong with you? And my husband's like, oh, you know, she's feeling it. And he's like, I felt it on Sunday. And they were like, oh, okay. And then I just pulled it together. And then we all cooked dinner together and we ate together. And we just laughed. And my, my baby was making funny faces that she'd never made before. And we just enjoyed each other as a family. And it was nice. And it was fun. So it went from you know, feeling all these, feeling all the feels, as the young kids say, <clears throat> at the Cancer Resource Center, and like just feeling a sense of dread and like, I'm sick of this. Because you know that it's going to be, for us, it's going to be a long, long road. Because he has to have chemo for 11 weeks, and then the surgery on his leg, and then surgery on his lungs to remove the, the, the tumors that are in his lungs, and then more chemo. And then you just go through PT, physical recovery, and all of that, and OT, and uh, occupational therapy and physical therapy. And uh, then after that, you hope and pray that it doesn't come back. And most often, this kind of cancer, this kind of cancer does come back. He has about a seventy percent chance of it coming back within two and a half years. So, this could be something we're dealing with for many, many years until he can hit the five-year mark, or it could be something we're dealing with for just a few years, or it could be something we're dealing with for just a few years and then he dies, or a few months and then he dies. I don't know. And yes, it's great to think positive because I've decided that even though he has a 70% chance of it coming back, it's actually a little bit more than that. That means roughly 30% of people, it doesn't come back. So he, in my mind, is going to be one of those 30%. Because somebody has to be. Someone has to be part of that 30%. So why not him? And that's where I am right now. It's still hard. I have moments where I'm just like, what the hell? Like, this is our lives. And seeing the person that you love the most, my husband seeing him suffer, 
is hard. It's one of the most difficult things. And I've had some shitty things happen in my life, and this is right up there. But it's just what it is. And this is what we've got. And you just take moment by moment, by hour, by day, by week at a time. And that's all you can do. My stepson tolerated his first two days of chemo really well. He only got a little nauseous, but he's in good spirits overall. You know, he has pain at moments dealing with his tumor and when they do different scans and such, but he's doing okay, all things considered. For now, you know, chemo is cumul cumulative. So as he gets more and more of it, it's going to get more and more difficult for him and he's going to have more of the side effects, whatever they are, because side effects vary between patients. But um, this is our lives. These, this is our life. This is our life right now. And uh, I just remember to focus on the positives and my little baby who brings everybody joy when everyone's sick and tired of thinking about cancer. We look at her little giggly face and it kind of puts things into perspective. She has no idea. And I want to kind of pivot as I move on from talking about the cancer stuff and uh, onto the next topic that's somewhat, somewhat related. You know, when you get a shock in your life and things change in a, in a negative way. And that is what's going on in the Ukraine. And uh, I'd heard a lot of stuff on the radio. <clears throat> and I say the radio, like I listen to podcasts and I listen to a, a streaming thing, a show and uh, watch some of the news. And, and before I even really got into the news, because ever since Trump, I sort of took a break from watching the news because it was just depressing. And um, I was like, okay, so what's in Ukraine that Putin wants? And first I heard, well, he's just diabolical and he is just that type of person and he's greedy. But then I heard better explanations and then I heard a kind of comical one. And there's nothing funny, obviously, about war and everything that, that Putin is doing. But um, there's a guy by the name of, and he's on, I believe, Instagram, Tommy, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Tommy LeFleur, that's T-O-M-M-I-E-L-E-F-L-O-R-E. -E -E. So we'll call him Tommy LeFleur. And he posted this on Instagram. Somebody else shared it. I don't know who he is, so they shared it on their Instagram. And he said, basically, here is what's going on with Russia and Ukraine in the simple terms. Let me, I'll just read what he says. The Ukraine and Russia crisis in simple terms for those that have no idea what is going on. And this is what he says. Ukraine used to be in an abusive relationship with Russia feeding him, letting him use her car, and giving him whatever he asked for until she built up the confidence to call it quits back in 1991. Since then, 
Ukraine has been working on herself, becoming a strong, independent woman with help from friends like France, America, Poland, etc. Offering her support, we did, loaning her money and helping her find her way. Ukraine has been enjoying being single for 30 years and looking forward to continue to grow and create new friendships. Now, Russia, being the toxic ex that it is, wants her back and doesn't want her meeting new people or creating any new relationships. A couple of weeks ago, Russia started sitting in the front of the Ukraine, sitting in the front of Ukraine's house. And when her friends asked him, what is going on? What is he doing there? Oh, let's see, doing there. He said, oh, nothing, just getting a little bit of exercise in. That's all. And after her friends told her that Russia was potentially getting ready to do something bad to her, he said, they're lying. That is Russia said, they're lying. They just want you to be scared of me. And that's not what this is. Well, yesterday, Russia broke into Ukraine's house, beat her up, and is taking taking advantage of her while on live stream and double dog daring any of her friends to do something about it. If they do, um, this part gets garbled because it's under some other writing, do something about it. And if they do want the smoke, I'm not sure what that means, but um, that Russia, and the last part is just cut off. But anyway, I think you get the idea that basically the Ukraine broke off from, and they used to call it the Ukraine when I was younger. So sometimes I slip up, but now it's just Ukraine. Ukraine broke off from Russia and now they have a wealth of supplies and agricultural land and a society. And basically Putin, Putin, the dictator that he is and the diabolical sinister being that he is, is like, wow, if this country, the Ukraine, and this, I'm paraphrasing what I learned last night on the news, not just from this thing that I just read to you, but I thought it was a kind of a fun way to kind of put it in context. If the Ukraine leans more West, which they are definitely doing in Western ways, supported by America, supported by NATO, all of these things, then that's bad for Russia because Russia wants to own and be powerful and be part of this giant, you know, back in the day, it was the USSR. Putin wants those days back again. And he wants to be able to control more and more and more of Europe. I just found out last night that Russia, the body of land that Russia is, is 10% of the earth. 10%. That's crazy. It's the biggest piece of land of any other pieces of land, any other countries, continents, whatever, not continents, but any other countries, of any other islands, of any other anything. So Putin wants to be more powerful. And there's a lot of riches that the Ukraine has. See, there I go with the again. And he felt like they were stolen from him. And now he wants them back. Plus, there's Russians that live in Ukraine. There's a lot of back and forth. People who live in Russia have family members in Ukraine, and people who live in Ukraine have family members in Russia. So to him, it makes perfect sense to bring them right back into the fold, whether they like it or not. 
because then he can get more money, more power, have more access to oil and gasoline, agricultural fields. They do a lot of wheat, all kinds of things. Ukraine is a rich land and it's no small place. It's a big place. So when you hear that, you know, this dominant and also backward country because their gross national product, what is it not gross, their GDP is very small. And compared to other countries that have the resources that Russia has, it's poorly run. But Putin continues to get richer and richer and richer. So he doesn't care about his people. He doesn't care about anything except what he wants. And it's hard to watch that from afar, safe and sound from America, but also knowing that if it gets way out of control, then NATO will have to get involved, which is ostensibly America, right? And other countries. And people are like, well, will that lead to World War III? Who knows? But it is definitely, definitely a threat to democracy everywhere because he's, he's, telling propaganda to his own people. He's like, well, I'm not invading Ukraine. I'm going over there to free some of our Russian people that are over there, like complete lies. And that's really sad. I saw a, um, a picture or some, I, I don't know if it was videos or pictures. I think it was a picture of some Russian people, like hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands, at least a thousand standing out in the streets saying no war. Putin just kills people that disagree with him. Like literally, people just disappear in Russia. So for those people to be able to do that and stand up and risk their lives, God bless them. And the people who are living in Ukraine, I, I understand I've seen some videos of people in Kyiv, formerly pronounced Kiev, that are just like trying to get out and trying to get gas and trying to get supplies and just imagine if in the United States, I live near the Mexican border. Imagine if Mexico said, you know what? California used to be part of us, which we did. We're coming back to take it. And they just drove some tanks to the border and then just started bombing California. That would be frightening. Frightening. I mean, I, my heart goes out to those people. I hope and yes, I pray that somehow this comes to a swift ending. We're, we're doing, speaking of swift, the United States and NATO at least are doing um, sanctions, which is something, you know, stopping certain goods from going into Russia and stopping exports coming out of Russia so they can't get things, they can't sell things. They, I think they are doing a sanction on the SWIFT, which I just learned SWIFT is a, a way that banks communicate to each other, a, an electronic communication system. So if you cut them off, then their banks can't communicate to other banks, so they can't send and receive money the same way. So it's a big deal. But again, that affects the people and organizations of Russia, but not Putin who will sit on his throne and to continue to just reign like a dictator, getting more wealthy and more wealthy and more wealthy. And it puts things into perspective because here we are in the United States, we can't agree on a president. I mean, we vote, some people say it was wrong and it was a lie and it was a fraud and whatever, but our, still, our lives still go on. I'm in Southern California, it's a sunny, beautiful day. What's the temperature out? It's 58, it's winter time. And it's 58, which is a little chilly for us. That's how spoiled we are in Southern California. But still, 
It's quiet. The birds are chirping. People are coming and going. And it really made me think like, wherever you are in your life, wherever you're born, wherever you live, whatever is happening to you, shit's going to happen. <laughs> you know, for me, it's right now dealing with my family's cancer. But the only thing that we control is how we respond to these things. There are people I saw on social media that are sobbing, that live in the United States, sobbing about everything that's going on in Ukraine. They've never been there. They probably couldn't find it on a map. And I, I don't mean to say that like I'm putting them down, but it's touched them. And that's great that they feel something outside of what's going on in their lives. And I think that's important. But in our everyday lives, stuff is going to happen. And I think for me, what I really got to experience in a more acute way when I was just sobbing earlier this week was that I'm going to be okay. No matter what happens, no matter how dark, no matter how scary, how sad, you're going to be okay. And if you keep that in the back of your mind, how you proceed in your life changes. I mean, God forbid, if I came down with, I don't know if you come down with, but if I'm diagnosed with cancer myself and I'm on my death's doorstep, I believe I'm going to heaven. That's one thing I do believe. I believe there is some kind of afterlife. I hope there is. I, wanna, I want my heaven is like a place where your spirit goes and you recognize the spirit of other people that you have loved in your lifetime, including my pets, people I never met. So my spirit goes up to heaven and it's like, let's imagine a, a ball of light. And then I get to see my dad and other relatives that are deceased. And I get to meet my grandparents and their energy and their spirit and those before then. And I get the answers to everything in the universe that I always wanted to know. And it's this beautiful, happy, healthy place. And then there's God and he's like the biggest, brightest light. And it's this warm, I don't know. But that's what I envision. But for the most part, even when I'm going through this whole thing with cancer and a loved one, I'm okay. It is difficult. It is sad. It is scary. But I choose to focus on the positives, enjoy the good things in life, and understand that there's only so much I can control. And I can't control what Putin is going to do. I can't control what Trump did or was is going to do. And for me, it's really easy as an empath to get wrapped up in all of that stuff. I think that I just have to take everything moment by moment because that's where the power is. And I've said it before. I probably said it in the last episode. I'll continue to say it. And that's true for all of us, you, me, my baby, my family, everyone in Russia, everyone, and I, I shouldn't say it like that because some of the Russian people are wonderful, decent people, many of them. But all the people in Ukraine were just trying to get through the day. So obviously, if your country is at war with another country or a country is coming after you, it's very different than here in the United States at this moment. 
you know, fighting for your life, it's really hard to say, I'm going to be okay. But things are going to happen that are going to be difficult and painful. And if you're lucky enough, if you're blessed, if you're spared in some way, then you're going to be okay. <clears throat> and I know that we will too. My family will be okay. And we just enjoy the small moments. And uh, I mean, that's all there is. Because you never know when things are going to shift or change in a negative way. And before I close out the show, I do want to pivot one more time because uh, I just want to take a few minutes to talk about the celebrity Big Brother finale. Speaking of things that you never know. And again, like I mentioned in the beginning, if you even if you don't watch this show, I want to share with you what happened. It was pretty, I don't know, shocking, sad, disturbing. Basically with Big Brother... As most of you know, the premise is you go in a house with, depending on how many people, 10, 12, 14 people, and you fight to the finish, and whoever is at the end, it's the last two people, and then there's a jury of the, the some eight of the people, or 12, or whatever, depending on the show, I don't even know the number offhand, there's a jury that decides of the two people who wins the final big prize. And it's always tricky because the people who have been voted out are the people who are angry or bitter that they got kicked out by the last two people who are still left who have a chance to win first and second prize. And this year, a gentleman by the name of Todrick, who is a huge Big Brother super fan, ended up on Celebrity Big Brother. And he is, I guess he's a famed YouTuber. I had never heard of him. He um, does Broadway. He does, uh, what do you call it, choreography. He's friends with Taylor Swift. He has a national tour of his own dancing. So he's a dancer. He was on um, RuPaul's Drag Show, I believe. I don't know in what capacity, but he's, he's got millions and millions of followers, at least a million. Um, let's just check real quick how many followers, because I don't want to misinformed. By the way, I did say GDP when I was talking about Russia, but then I said gross national product or something. GDP is actually gross domestic product. The, um, the, uh, it measures all the products that each economic products that each country puts out. So that's the, the simplistic answer. But uh, let's look back to Todrick. So Todrick has 1.8 million followers. So, you know, it's not millions and millions, but that's still a lot of followers. And while he was in the house, the Big Brother house, he talked a lot of crap about people. And it was very personal, pointing crap. And over many, many years of the show being on, people do that all the time. Or not all the time, but regularly. And it's somewhat been accepted here and there. But this guy, at least how it was perceived, crossed the line. He said things to Chris Kirkpatrick, who was in InSync, like, well, you're changing the plan, you know, because they were working together as sort of a team in an alliance. And 
Chris Kirkpatrick was going against what Todrick wanted. And he was like, that's terrible. Your game is going to be ruined. Like your family is going to hate you when you get home. They're going to say, daddy, why did you do that? Your kids are going to say that. Why'd you do that? And he got personal. Todrick got personal saying to somebody, your kids are going to hate you. You know, and I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the specifics, but something along those lines about Chris Kirkpatrick's son is so unnecessary. And he just, throughout this game with all these celebrities, D and F list celebrities, um, he talked crap, personal crap, and thought it was funny and thought it was acceptable. Meanwhile, in the public, with Twitter, with all that's going on, all this stuff, and when I say with all that's going on, with social media, because social media is filled with sleuths. That's a hard word to say, sleuths. And they find out what you do that's wrong, and then they post about it. So Twitter had what they call an exposed party, a hashtag that says the person's name or organization, followed by the words exposed party. And everything negative that's ever been said, that's ever been done, that people think, comes out. And it's tweet after tweet after tweet. I'm talking hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of tweets about negative stuff that either Todrick did in his past from, I read a lot about um, him not paying people who work for him, people having to beg him practically to get paid for the services that they already provided, him being like, um, just all things, certain things I don't want to repeat because they're things you could get sued for. Not that anybody's going to sue me, but just like bad stuff about this guy. Plus all the videos of all the negative stuff that he said in the house. So then the finale comes and he's basically in the last, what they call the final two chairs. He has a chance to come in first or second, depending on what the jury says. Well, the jury is bitter, rightly so, because they all liked him for the most part in the house. And then when they got home and they watched the show and heard about what happened on the live feeds, which is the, you know, the 24-7 cameras and microphones on what Todrick was saying on what everyone says in the house, but they go home and they see that this man ripped them to shreds behind their back and said horrible stuff. So the jury goes and they basically voted against him, not for the other person. Yes, they vote for the other person by default, but that's never really happened like that. And it was pretty humiliating. They, they made these statements when they put in their final vote, things like I voted for, you know, somebody who, and I, I don't remember the specifics, but something like somebody who, this is for my son, Chris Kirkpatrick said, and it was like, okay, well, we know he's not voting for Todrick, or this is because of this, or this is, I'm voting because, so that I never have to hear this person's voice again. Like, it was like, they were shooting daggers at Todrick. So much so that when it was over and he lost, I mean, technically he lost, but he did win $50,000. The number, the first place prize was 250000 so a big disparity. Um, he was supposed to do a lot of press <clears throat> and go to the after party. And the rumor is he locked himself in his dressing room and wouldn't come out and canceled all press and he hasn't been on his social media. His life is his social media. He hasn't been on at all. And it's very interesting because a lot of what Big Brother is, is putting people down and picking at them and finding reasons not to get 
not to keep someone around, but also to to get rid of them. And sometimes it's slightly personal where you're just like, oh, this person's useless. They'll say things like that. Well, they're useless. They can't win anything. But what Todrick did was he got personal. And it's hard to watch. He did it with such vigor. Uh, and, and just he was just dismissive of people. And it was as if he forgot that he was being recorded. And then, of course, he was. And then all the stuff continued to come out about him, plus the videos, snippets and clips of what he said. So some people don't pay attention to the social media stuff. If you just watch the show, you know, the, the loyal fans of Big Brother who are all in the chat rooms and on Twitter and so on and so on. They call the people who only watch the CBS show the casuals, like you casually watch it, which I always think is funny. So you wouldn't know that. You would just know, okay, well, he said a few things, but why are they voting against him? If you don't watch that show and look in behind the scenes and into the, I should say, if you don't watch Twitter, not the show, and all of the social media stuff, there's a reason why. It matters what we say. It matters. Like I've, I had a whole show where I talked about things that we were told when we were kids that just isn't true. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. They hurt. And there comes a point when that crap should not be said. I mean, I don't know if it's even that there comes a point. It just shouldn't be said. And for years, Big Brother, I mean, if we go back in the earlier seasons, people were nasty. I'll never forget. They said, I won't even repeat who said it in which season. But if you're a loyal fan, you'll know there was these two guys and they would say about this woman, she looks like she was rode hard and put away wet put away dry, which is basically a saying that she's been, you know, slept around and she's just a old washed up hag. Like people attacked people's race, body size, intelligence or lack thereof, their looks, all kinds of things. So it's almost comical to me that now people are like, how could he do that? He learned it from Big Brother. It's not right. And th times have changed because no one was canceling anybody when social media wasn't around. And even when social media sort of came out in the first place, the whole canceling people didn't really start right off the bat. So if you go back in time with Big Brother, all this nasty stuff was said. But then people still, you know, applauded the winners. Oh, that's so great. You won. Andy from season 15. Red hair, green eyes, maybe blue eyes. I don't know white guy, gay, he won his season. He was fine with people dropping the N-word around him. He talked so much shit about other people. And people cheered when he won. A lot of people didn't like him. They called him Andy the Rat. But he's on Twitter talking about, how could Todrick say this and that and this and that? I'm like, did you forget the stuff that you said or were totally fine with saying? It's real easy to cancel people. But I think we need to remember to look at ourselves in the mirror. What have you said? Now, I can tell you if I ever play that game again, as much as I really didn't get a chance to, um, personally, it is, personal attacks is not my thing. I would never say to somebody, if you don't stick with this alliance and go the way we want you to go, when you get home, your kids are going to be so upset with you. A kid doesn't think that way. That's 
utterly ridiculous. And it's just self-serving. And to watch the clip where, where Todrick said that, I didn't see him say that actual thing to Chris Kirkpatrick, but then he talked about it later and he was like, yeah, I said it. And he was like, yeah, maybe I went too far, but still he shouldn't have gone against me. And I was like, wow, this is a person who's in pain. This is a person who, you know, runs around with big costumes and dances and whatever. And he's larger than life, but this is a person at his core is a scared little boy. And I'm not saying this to absolve him from his behaviors. I'm just coming up with a reason why, based on my own opinion and experiences and observations. And that is he is a scared little boy who doesn't think he's worth anything unless, unless he has a million followers, unless he has a million followers on YouTube or people are watching him or think he's attractive or think he's muscular or he's a good dancer. Like he feels like a nothing. Deep down, he's a small, angry, sad little man. Because the only way you say stuff about people's kids and cut people down the way he did is if that's who you feel like inside. Which actually is pathetic and sad. So I don't know what he does from this moment on. He can give the stilted apology and go on the apology tour, or maybe he could take some time to really look inside himself. Because if people do work for you, you need to pay them. If you're on a reality show and people don't do what you want them to do, you don't have to get ugly and start picking on their family or talking about their race, which he did. Some of the comments he made about race and about the cookout, I'm just, I was mind boggled. I'm like, what are you talking about? So it was an epic ending to a dud of a season, in my opinion. It was a pretty boring season. He and uh, Misha, the young woman who won, she's a F -F -F MMA fighter. I almost said FFA. That's Future Farmers Association. She's an MMA fighter. And she and Todrick basically skipped their way to the ending because the people didn't know how to play the game which that's on the producers of Big Brother. They need to educate every single person who walks into that house on how to play the game. Because you have the experts who are like, okay, we're going to walk all over these people. And they did. And it was a boring season. It had some fun moments because Carson is really funny. Carson Cressley from Queer, Queer Eye of the, straight, of the Straight Guy, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and some other things. He's amazing. I loved him. But it was a dud of a season with this really sad ending where we got to see somebody just humiliated on national television for his own actions. But he was definitely humiliated. And I, I hope he does some serious soul searching and, and gets to the bottom of why he does what he does and does better. Because that's all we can ask of anybody is to do better. So <clears throat> all that being said, we are now just a few months from another season of Big Brother. I guess it'll be Big Brother 24, almost 25 seasons. That's crazy. 25 seasons. It's, uh, let's see, we're going into 24 seasons in 23 years because there was one season, one year that had two seasons. But um, yeah. You never know what's going to happen in your life. <clears throat> so don't forget to enjoy the small moments and the things that really make you happy. 
whatever they may be. Maybe they be maybe big moments. Maybe you out there, you're wealthy and you're like, I could fly to France tomorrow or I could fly to Hawaii or wherever. That makes me happy. But for me, I love going running. That makes me happy. Kissing my baby's cheeks. That makes me happy. Holding my husband's hand. Being comforted in a dark time by my stepdaughter made me happy. There's always something to appreciate. Even the poor people in Ukraine, I mean, they all they have is the appreciation that they still have their life, that their houses and areas that they work and play and live hasn't been blown up. And for those who it has, my heart goes out to you and prayers for you and your family. Take some time today to just really enjoy the little things, to enjoy the fact that you have people in your life who aren't doing to you what Todrick did to people. Enjoy the friendships like my friend who answered the phone when I needed her to. Life is precious. It is. That's my story anyway. And I'm sticking to it.